Hello mamas and welcome to episode 6, season 2 of Bump to Mum. I'm your host Emma and this week I am bringing you a conversation with Sarah. Sarah is the mum to Ruby who is 17 months old. At the time of her pregnancy with Ruby, Sarah discovered at her 20-week scan that Ruby had a congenital heart disease, which affects one in every 1,000 births in New Zealand. Having battled away with hyperemesis in the first 20 weeks of her pregnancy, to then discover that Ruby had a heart issue at that 20-week scan during COVID um, was just a complete shock to Sarah. She never imagined that something like this would happen to her. From that point, things got pretty scary. She was very closely monitored during her pregnancy up until her birth. Things around like, would she even be able to be, give birth in the city that she lived? Did she need to be near Starship? Um, it's just a journey that you just can't quite comprehend unless you've been through it. She shares with us that whole experience for her, her pregnancy, her birth, what that fourth trimester for Ruby was for her and, you know, just warning, it involves a lot of hospital stays, Niku, Skabu, Starship, um, open heart surgery at 12 weeks. If you are dealing or going through something similar and this is triggering to you, I would suggest skipping this episode. Sarah really shares what it is like to have a heart baby, what that journey has been like for her and her family. Um, and it, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty hard to hear. I think as a parent, it's something you just you just can't yeah you just can't imagine it i'm not even going to try explain everything that sarah's been through what ruby's condition is i'm going to leave that for you to listen to this episode um but i do just want to be clear that neither myself or sarah are medical professionals we're just mums having a chat sarah's sharing her experience um i think what was quite eye-opening for me when we recorded this um was how, you know, questions I normally ask when I chat to mums on here is like, you know, what does sleep look like? What was your fourth trimester look like? What, tell me about how you return to exercise after giving birth. And for me, I realised that when a, there is an unwell baby, a baby with a health issue, those things just seem silly to ask. It's just the furthest thing from those parents' minds around like how much they're sleeping. It's more concerning about, you know, are they surviving? How well are they? What hospital ward are we in? You know, are they feeding? Are they growing? Um, there's just so many bigger issues. And I never want to discount anyone's feelings because you're entitled to feel the way you feel and everyone's heart is hard and, you know, everyone's entitled to have a hard day. But yeah, just to put things in perspective for me um, around what it would be like to have an unwell child and if you have a healthy child, just, yeah. It's it's luck. It's it's very fortunate, and we need to sometimes on those hard days. Maybe we need to remind ourselves of that. I know I definitely do. Um, but yeah, this is a really, really special chat. I'm so glad Sarah wanted to come on and share her experience with Ruby. Um, I guess she wanted to share in case anyone else is going through something similar in their motherhood journey. Um, to know that they're not alone. There's support out there. There's you know you can find your community can find your village people across the world have connected with Sarah who are going through something similar and that has been her village so um, yeah I really hope you enjoy this episode. Hi Sarah thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today I would love for you to introduce yourself to the listeners tell us a little bit about yourself and your family. 
Hello, thanks for having me. Um, my name's Sarah. We live in Petone in Lower Hutton, Wellington, and I have a 17-month-old daughter called Ruby, and my partner is at home with me. I mean, he's not at home with me right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, my partner is Rupert, and we have a bulldog called Bob. What's your dog's name? Bob. <laughs> oh, so cute. <laughs> Um, yeah, and Ruby is a cardiac baby, um, and we went through a very big journey um, from when I was pregnant to pretty much, I'd say, maybe six months ago. Wow. That's crazy. So why don't you kind of take us back um, to your pregnancy with Ruby, talk through what that was like, you know, from your health, her health, and and then we can kind of go through to, to what has been the last kind of 17 months for you. Yeah, sure. Um, I just want to also say that um, this is just kind of like my journey and like what we've learned and been through and stuff, and, and I'm not an expert on mm-hmm. any of this. <laughs> um, don't like don't follow anything that I did to a T or anything. Um, there's some pretty uh, confrontational topics that yeah. we will probably talk about today. Um, so like open heart surgery, stays in NICU, PICU, SCABU, um, children's ward, Starship Jets, uh, preterm pregnancy, um, yeah, premature birth. And hypermemesis. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, if that if you're not ready to if you've been through any of that or you are going through any of that and you're not ready to listen to any of that, just just turn it off. <laughs> yeah. um, if you don't have the mental capacity, just yeah, just don't listen to it. I think that's a really good point to say. And like you say, this is just this is your experience. This is your story. You're not a you know an expert in the space and it's just really your journey with ruby um and you know your family's journey so very good to point that out so i will let you just take it away tell us your story tell us about your pregnancy with ruby um so we well i found out i was pregnant um and i wasn't nauseous at the time i think i had one day that i was nauseous um I found out really early that I was pregnant, like probably like four weeks. Um, I just like had a sense of smell and my partner was like, do a test. And I was like, okay. And we were really quite shocked that it happened that fast. Um, But then I started getting really, really sick. And um, I thought it was just morning sickness. And I talked to my friends who had had kids and, you know, they were like, you know, you just got to, keep on going and it'll be okay it'll it'll die down um but it really didn't and it just got worse and worse and I just felt like I was in this like black hole I didn't know who to talk to I didn't know not none of my friends could relate and like I was just trying to suppress morning sickness and I didn't know that it could have been something else so Mm. um my friend in Blenheim was like I've actually I actually know this other girl who's had HG before. Maybe you should talk to her on Instagram. And um, I started talking to this girl, Danny, and she was like the most supportive 
lovely human <laughs> like she was there she I talked to her every single day and I oh. don't know if I would have like gotten out of that black hole so positively without her um so if you are going through HG Danny started a um, HG page for New Zealand and um yeah I cannot recommend talking to her enough she started like a Facebook support group and everything so um you're not alone and that's what it feels like it does feel like you're alone um but yeah just reach out to anyone that you can see or anyone that you feel comfortable with talking to about hg um just so that you're not going through it alone so how um, like you talk about you you know you were quite unwell and you you were in this black hole like how like were you vomiting like multiple times a day or like what was kind of the sign when you were like this is actually so this is not just morning sickness this is something else yeah like when I was like lying in the shower for probably over an hour spewing in the shower and oh my god my friend was like oh yeah see I wasn't that bad but you know you just got to keep on going and I was I was like I don't know I I can't keep going like I literally couldn't get up and go to work um it was, it was, I just, I just hired a personal assistant. It was like the worst timing ever. Wow. Um, so I had to like train her and I felt so bad because it was like her first experience in, in our industry as well. And I was like the worst teacher cause I couldn't even function myself. But anyway, um, yeah, I, I guess it got to the point where I'd lost five kgs and I couldn't eat or drink or like, sometimes couldn't leave the bed or the house um like brushing my teeth and having a shower would be like a massive accomplishment for me that day um uh, I went to my doctor and this was probably um I probably went to my doctor at about I wouldn't have been that far along I, I was probably like 10 weeks on and um she was like oh yeah you know you know this is really normal for your first trimester um yeah, you'll be fine in the second one. And I'd lost five kgs and like my partner's mum saw me and she was just like, you do not look okay. Um, you look so pale. And I just felt like this isn't, this was not normal pregnancy. Like I just yeah. felt there must be something else wrong with me. Um, and then I'm just trying to think where we went then. Um, I couldn't find a midwife either because um, there's a shortage of midwives, obviously. And because Ruby was due in January, which is like uh, Christmas period, yeah. <laughs> everyone was going on leave. Do you so know what my mom said to me when I was when we were talking about this and like the shortages of midwives around December and January? And she was like, "Yeah, we call it cross your legs March. Like, try not yeah. to get pregnant in March because they all take, which is so fair. Like, they need a break, but like, there's just yeah, such a shortage. So yeah, oh, that on top of it as well. Yeah. So no midwife. Um. So i think i think i had already been to i'd already been talking to danny and she was helping and she was like okay you need to go into a and a if you're getting really really bad and so i went and had an iv drip and that really helped so much mm. um and then um we couldn't find a midwife i tried to get a community midwife through the hospital and they were also changing like the head of that unit or whatever was changing positions so 
I contacted them. No one got in touch with me for a month. So we were just like, screw this. I'm so sick. Let's mm. just go private. And we um, were really lucky that we got a spot through Wellington Obstetrics, um, an obstetrician there. Um, and we just went private because I didn't know what else to do. I was so sick. Um, and she immediately, I'd lost seven K. Oh, yeah, probably still five or five and a half or six kgs by then and then she immediately like prescribed me on dancitron and like sorted everything pretty much um it didn't make everything go away but it did make things a lot easier Mm. um but yeah i couldn't see my dog (laughs) rupert wasn't allowed to cook any meat in the house i could honestly smell from the bedroom if he opened the fridge i swear like it was just the grossest Thing I've ever experienced. I had a metallic taste in my mouth. This is probably like, there's probably like normal things that I was also experiencing hmm. as well, obviously. Like people have talked about metallic taste and stuff. But I think um, when I was like researching, like what is wrong with me, it was like if you've lost more than 10% of your body weight or something, you've probably got HG. Mm. So, well, anyway. that's the thing, right? Like you're losing weight in a time where during your pregnancy most people are gaining you know like and I know it's normal to maybe lose a few kilos in that first trimester if you are really sick but like five kilos is a lot you know that's a lot of weight yeah so by the end of my pregnancy I was um lighter than I am now (laughs) um oh my goodness you poor thing I think I lost seven uh all up in the end so like after it did it did ease up at probably about like 18 weeks and then we had the 20 week scan and found out about ruby's heart so that was just like i'm getting better but wait like no you're not like this is just yeah um the most shocking news that you could find out um so it was during COVID and I had to go to the scan alone. Um, but I was like, cool, that's fine. You know, like I understand lockdown, et cetera, limiting people. But I think I only was fine with it because I wasn't expecting any bad news. And um, so I went in for my scan by myself. And I remember like chatting away with my sonographer he was really lovely and he just kind of got went all quiet and said um sorry I just need to check something and word you never want to hear yeah and he was like um there's something wrong and I was like oh okay but like you can fix today like there's nothing thought nothing of it um Mm. And then he was just like, yeah, there's something wrong with your baby's heart. I can't go into details with you about it. That's not my place to say. But your obstetrician will call you. Um, And I I was honestly just in shock. I just, I could not comprehend what he was saying. It took me a a while to digest it. Um, And I think I called Roper and he talked to the sonographer while we were in the room together and um I think I just went into shock and um 
and was just trying to process it. It was just, oh. even now, I'm still like, wait, what? Yeah, um, absolutely. So, yeah, I just went into another room and um, had a huge cry <laughs> and was I just didn't know what to do. Um, so we went. I went home and my obstetrician was amazing. She drove down to the uh, sonography place straight away from her home and looked over the scan straight away just so she oh. could tell me explain everything that was going on and tell me what was wrong with Ruby. Um, She called me probably like three hours later and obviously in that time we did what we should not have done and like Googled all possible (laughs) heart things for babies. Um, And that was in the longest way, even though it was only three hours. It sounds like a little bit. days. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so she called, I think she called us at about 4.30 or 5.30 in the day and we were both um, just, yeah, we were in shock. We were, we kind of just sat at home in silence for a few hours. We didn't really know what to do. Um, but, yeah, so uh, my obstetrician called me and was like, yeah, we can confirm your baby has Tetralogy of Fallow, which is uh, abbreviated to TOF. Um, and she just talked us through what it was, um, potential scenarios that would, would happen, um, like when she was born. Um, yeah, I think it was just a very big emotional time for both of us. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just something that you're just like not aware of when you're like, cool, let's have a baby. Like, let's get pregnant, you know? Um, there's you don't think about all these things that could go wrong and could happen and you even if you do you never think that it's going to be you who it happens to exactly did you is there like I mean I you might not have the answer to this question but was there like is it just one of those things that just can sometimes happen and there's no like like is it something that was on you know like gen- is it a genetic thing or is it just literally just can happen sometimes from, from for no particular reason? Both. Um, it can be genetic and it can just also just happen. It can mm. just be that your baby's heart just doesn't uh, continue forming in the right way. So that, okay, so that's what, that's what the scan showed was that Ruby's heart wasn't like what they expected to see at that age, like wasn't developing properly? Was that the... <clears throat> yeah, pretty much. Um, like what Ruby has is is Tetralogy of Fallow, which is called TOF, and um, it's made up of like four defects that commonly occur together. Um, one of them is called VSD, which is a hole in the heart, which is the most common thing. Like people... like lots of people have that VSD Mm -hmm. and it can correct itself and people just have minor operation to correct that or it can be severe as well but VSD is pretty common um but hers was VSD plus three other things I won't I'll just briefly say what they are pulmonary Mm -hmm. stenosis uh overriding aorta and a right ventricular hypertrophy um so yeah, I'm not a doctor, <laughs> and like Neither I do understand, yeah, <laughs> or a nurse. Um, I do understand like what it's what happened to her heart and stuff, but I won't um 
there's no point in me going into details about it because I can't speak about it like fully in you know like <laughs> I'm yeah in a full doctor's language no I, I and I think the purpose of this conversation it's you know we don't need to know that the specifics they're very technical yeah. but so from that scan and you know finding out what what was wrong with Ruby's heart what was the rest of your pregnancy like then did they have to monitor you quite closely like or was it just kind of you know you just continue as normal or uh, yeah talk us through that that next part of your pregnancy um, yeah, so you're you're straight away put into a high risk um, like pregnancy. Like if I was with um, just any normal midwife, you would be put in a high risk anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and you do get closely monitored, whether you're private or public. Um, so if you're public, I think what happens is you go um, to the hospital for more scans, which is what I did as well. But I also had more scans with my obstetrician. So mm-hmm. um, we had to do monthly scans, which were one hour long um, at the hospital. Um, and then also my normal midwife and obstetrician appointments as well. And then we also had to do conference calls with Starship and plan when and how I was going to give birth um, and where. Um, So they had to measure things in Ruby's heart to determine if I was, if it was safe enough for me to stay in Wellington and give birth in Wellington, or if I had to go up to Auckland and stay really close to Starship in case they had to operate on her as soon as she was born. Mm. oh my goodness and just like trying to like I can just imagine like you say like you'd never expect this to happen to you and then you're having to make these sorts of decisions where you're literally like moving and I can't even comprehend what that would have to be like you know it's it's a lot to be pregnant as it is let alone you know trying to plan for for what what's going to happen in the next few months so that would have been such a difficult time did you end up moving up to Auckland or did you stay stay at home no we were really lucky and got to stay in Wellington but they only made that decision I think I would have been 33 weeks pregnant when they decided no you can give birth in Wellington so Mm -hmm. it was like 13 weeks of not knowing where you were giving birth or like it was so hard to plan anything um and and like as any other probably medical parents would know the hardest part is having no answers all the time um Mm. it's just like we have to keep monitoring you or the baby or yeah it, it was the biggest struggle is not knowing anything like you're just waiting and you're just living in the unknown that was the hardest part from from that point, thirty three weeks. When when was Ruby born? Like, how far along were you? Two weeks later, oh I was thirty five weeks um, when she. I so I was booked in for a C section with. I was like, give me all the drugs. I have had a rough enough pregnancy that I don't want. I just want it to go smoothly. And one thing, I just wanted one thing to go to plan. Yeah. Um. And unfortunately, that didn't go to plan either. <laughs> but wow. um, 
yeah, I just went into labor. I didn't even know what labor was. Honestly, I was so unprepared. As soon as like we found out about her heart, we were just like, why are we even bothering to finish our um, antenatal classes? Like <laughs> we're not even gonna need to focus on the normal stuff. We need, a, we need to know like CPR, <laughs> like we need oh. to know like all this like, what what to do if your baby turns blue like it's it's just a different world and like everything was so surgical and so measured and there was nothing like even in the newborn stage when she came there was no normalcy it's such <laughs> um yeah. so like when everyone was like oh what percentile is she i'm like i don't know because we're not looking at that. We're looking at her heart growing. We're not even looking at like, I mean, yeah, I'm sure they were tracking that as well, obviously, but yeah. that's not what we came out of each appointment going, cool, our baby's so big or anything, you know, we're going, oh my God, I hope, I hope she keeps growing so that she can be heavy enough when she comes to like, cause that would be another struggle for her if she was, wasn't heavy enough to like for her heart it would be just another thing um but yeah so went into labor at 35 weeks um I didn't know what it was I was just on the toilet and my I was like man I can't stop peeing but I didn't know that my waters had broke <laughs> and <sighs> um <laughs> I was messaging my friend. It would have been 3 a.m. in the morning. My friend was on night shift, so I had someone to text. And I was like, man, I'm having, like, these really bad period pains. Um, it's so weird. And then she was like, do you think you could be in labor? And she doesn't even have a kid. So I had no one to talk to that had um, given birth. No one was awake. Um, and... I started like Googling and then I called my midwife at an hour later and I was like, I have no idea what's going on, but am I in labor? And she was talking to me and I had like a contraction while I was talking to her and she obviously timed it while I was talking to her without telling me. And she was like, you need to go to the hospital now, Sarah. Oh <laughs> um, so I think I was probably about, five centimeters or something round five centimeters when I got to the hospital um and I didn't even have my hospital bag packed I just I just thought that my c-section was planned for the following month and I would be fine um we didn't even have a bassinet um <sighs> so I was crawling around on the ground packing my hospital bag and my partner had a quick shower and then we drove to the hospital and got there at about 5 a.m and Ruby was born at 10 past 7 in the morning. Wow. Yeah. So did you go into labor? So, like, how long was it from? I think I, I think my water broke at about 3.30. Wow, that, that's quick. And so did you end up having a C-section or did you end up? Oh, I had wow. no drugs. <laughs> um, yeah, I got to hospital. My obstetrician was there within, like, 20 minutes 30 minutes and um they were like the anesthetist is actually busy right now in another operating room so um for your epidural we'll just we'll wait for them to come out and i was like okay sweet and they were like we'll keep you 
nil by mouth, like no water or anything, just in case we do have to do a Caesar. And mm. at that stage, I literally had no gaps between my uh, contractions. I honestly didn't even know that you were supposed to have gaps in between them too. <laughs> wow. I just had no idea. Um, and by the time the anesthetist got in there, I couldn't like talk straight or see straight or anything. I was like, man, the adrenaline was pumping. Um, yeah, I was, I just, rem it was pretty much a whole blur for me. Um, I just remember like looking at Rupert and being like, just get me the drugs, please. Mm -hmm. um, and but I had to give consent for the anaesthetist to do the epidural. But then as soon as they got ready, um, they didn't even get a needle out or anything. They were just like, probably about three minutes later, they were like, you're too far. You are. Uh, you're going to have to start pushing soon, Sarah. And I was like, what? I don't even know how to push. I, I didn't, like, learn any of this. Um, but, yeah, then I just gave birth. It was crazy. Wow. Cra that I'm just like, oh go you because, yeah. I'm, I'm so stoked. I'm so stoked I had a natural birth. And, like, I'm just so thankful that that did actually happen because, I would have been screwed, um, like with Ruby being in Niku, traveling to her, and yeah, it, it would have just been so much harder if I'd had a C-section. Yeah. So I'm really grateful that I did go into labor and and did have a natural birth. I'm re I'm really happy about that. Oh well, yeah, you've. You've had a you had a had had a rough journey to this point, so I'm glad. Even though it wasn't your plan, it was like a good outcome for you. Yeah, so then, no, it was. You know, Ruby's here. What kind of happened at that point in terms of did she have to be kind of taken away from you quite quickly to be yeah over? yeah yeah. So I think I had like I don't know a couple of seconds with her on me, and then Rupert was we're so lucky that the obstetrician let Rupert cut the umbilical cord like you know one normal thing that mm. happened and um I had the most amazing nurses still so much of a blur to me but yeah. um I think like I just gave birth and Ruby was on me for a couple of seconds then she was taken over to be looked over and um they gave her back to me again for a couple more seconds before taking her to Nico, but Rupert left with her to go to Nico. Um, and then I, the midwife just was like, okay, let's get some colostrum out of your boobs. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, do whatever you need to do. Um, mm. I was like, I felt like I was on drugs. Like my, I was, everything was a blur. Everything just happened so fast. I was just so in shock I didn't realize what had happened mm. um and yeah anyway she got some colostrum and Rupert went and gave it to Ruby and Nico which is super special um at least you know like at least he could be there um and I got up and had a shower and went to the maternity ward and went back and saw Ruby again but um she was on like uh, CPAP and oxygen and in a little incubator and everything because she was quite little. She was two and a half kgs when she was born. Um, 
and then yeah I guess our journey kind of began then um Mm. after you know just like conference calls and stuff with people in Starship our, our journey actually like began with her then yeah wow so and I know there's a lot that has happened yeah. so it's kind of hard to like so many layers yeah I think maybe if you talk us through so from you know from her then being born and she was kind of taken away to be looked after like what where did you go to from there in terms of like did you go to a different hospital and what was I guess the kind of next if we look at your fourth trimester maybe what was that then like for you in terms of you know breastfeeding um did you get to stay with Ruby in the hospital like all the you know I think maybe just share with us what that don't have to tell us all the medical stuff because again like I know that's just so complex but what was your fourth trimester with Ruby like um I would say it was a mess Mm. (laughs) um Thank God I prepared, like, quite a few meals in my freezer before um, I went into labour because we were, like, just all over the show. We were in Wellington, Nippo, for 10 days, and they sent me home after, like, two days from the maternity ward. Um, This mum got – I was in a shared room, and this mum got wheeled into the bed next to me which was fine. And then her baby got wheeled into the room with her and I was like traumatized from listening to a mum with her baby next to her after just giving birth and my baby not being with me. It was like giving me goosebumps. Yeah. I was like, are you joking? Like, I cannot stay here. Like I'm leaving. This is horrible. And so mm. I just went and stayed um with her in Niku, but I couldn't sleep there because obviously there's other mums and families and parents that have babies in Wellington Niku that are from out of Wellington. So they have to prioritize who they give rooms to and they have a really small amount of rooms, maybe six for parents in the Niku ward. Um so me and Rupert were we got a, a hotel room across the road from the hospital and stayed there for I don't know over a week. Um, yeah, it would have been like eight days. Um, and I would just walk back and forth um, between the hospital and the hotel room to feed Ruby and to just do like skin on skin time mm-hmm. and. Um, my milk came in three days after I gave birth and I got mastitis straight away. Uh, And, um, yeah, like it was, I was trying to pump before that and like the first two days in in NICU, I was trying to pump with the hospital staff Mm. and nothing was coming out. And I was like, oh my God, like she's, she was on a tube for feeding Mm. because yeah, prem baby had to be. And um, I couldn't be with her around the clock, obviously. So that was really hard, leaving her there. Um, But the nurses were, like, the most amazing people. They'd just be, like, so supportive of you going home and having a rest or just going anywhere to have a sleep and a meal. Um, 
in a shower and just anything normal for a few hours. Um, so I kind of got comfortable enough leaving her for a feed or two. Otherwise, I was there for every single feed or Rupert would be there for every single feed. And we would do like the tube or a bottle. Um, but yeah, my milk did come in and we finally did start being able to breastfeed a bit more. And um, there was this one nurse who Ruby just wasn't like feeding for very long on me because she was so sleepy being mm. cream. Um, and because they were tube feeding her constantly, she was never hungry enough to breastfeed. And I literally... <sighs> I like to this day I'm so thankful for this one nurse called Kate she was the only nurse that was like no let's give Ruby the chance to be hungry so that she'll feed off you and mm. that's and that's like how I was able to start breastfeeding Ruby properly and to be in NICU and like have that one normalcy of like being able to breastfeed your child is so like so special um mm. Yeah, so I'm like forever grateful to Kate for just giving us that opportunity. Um, and she was so supportive. Um, so yeah, I was able to start breastfeeding her, but she was still like tube fed and um, everything topped up and everything. So um, after 10 days of NICU, we went into Skibu. We got transferred to Lower Hutt Skibu. Um, which was a whole new world. Um, Lower Heart Hospital really needs a revamp, but they're lacking so much funding. Mm-hmm. Um, it, that was, it was really hard to leave Ruby there. I didn't have any, like, faith. <laughs> and I just yeah. didn't feel comfortable oh. there at all. Uh, I guess I just wasn't used to it and I had gotten used to all the nurses in NICU and Wellington and, mm. you know, that was like our safe space. Yeah, for sure. And that's a lot to, you know, trust people and leave your, yeah. you know, that doesn't just happen. Like that that takes time and I can imagine then having, you know, built these relationships and then saying, okay, actually now you're going to move here. Like that's that's really hard. Yeah, it is treated as like a, almost like a graduation. Like, it's like everyone's like, oh my gosh, well done. Like, you're going to Skaboo. Like, that's the that's the one step before mm-hmm. you go home. Um, right. But, yeah, when I got there, I was just quite shocked at the ward. Um, but I actually, one of the doctors came and spoke to me because I couldn't leave Ruby. I couldn't let her just be there I was I was really struggling with going home um Mm. and the doctor came on and I'd actually appraised his house before so I knew who he was (laughs) and it was like the weirdest thing but the most comforting thing that I was like oh my god I know you like you know who I am and I know that he's a dad and I've met his kids like it was just it was really comforting like Mm. it was so nice to see a familiar face um yeah. And that definitely helped. But uh, yeah, so we were in. I was going to do like a little thing. If no one knows what like NICU means, that's the neonatal intensive care unit. And then SCABOO is special care baby unit. Um, 
so yeah, we went from Nikko into Skabu and we were there for only three days, uh, probably because I was quite vocal about how much I did not feel like there was any point in us being there. Mm. Um, and that's probably one of the biggest things I've learned. Like I was already a vocal person, but um, having a medical baby, I've just like learned to be so much more vocal about like what we need what I want to happen with my child like Mm. we know her the best I'm not afraid to ask or demand anything anymore um but yeah so sorry I feel like I'm going like off on all these tangents no it's no it's great keep going (laughs) (laughs) um so we were in Skabu for three days and we left and went home on the 1st of January um so Ruby was born on the 21st of December and we, we got home on the 1st of January. Um, we were home for 17 days before we went back into hospital um, where we got sick. And um, we actually thought it could have been like COVID or RSV or something, but um, all of our tests came back clear and we weren't sure what was happening. So um, oh, we also had a... Um, Askabo nurse come to our house to check on Ruby and all of her saturation and heart levels um, twice a week. So mm-hmm. she came over and she was like, mm, her saturation levels in her heart, like, and her heart levels are quite low. Um, I would like you guys to go be checked in on in the hospital. So we went, yeah, we went there on the seventeenth of January. Mm-hmm. and we were there for 10 days and that was the worst probably the worst 10 days of my life <laughs> um it was like the tiniest room with constant beeps and nurses coming in every three hours to check on Ruby's like blood pressure and all those normal kinds of things and um it not being starship there aren't a lot of nurses who've dealt with babies that have had Tetralogy of Fellow in like such a small area hospital. Like, there's definitely worse hospitals we could have been in, but it was really hard being there. Um, I don't feel like, yeah, maybe I maybe I won't go into details about that. But um, that was a really hard ten days. We did shift. So my mum quit her job in Tauranga and moved down um, to be with us when Ruby was born. And me, my mum, and Rupert and his mum, we all did, like, shifts so that one person could get sleep and one person could be on the ward with Ruby. At the, at, she had to have someone, one of us, in the room at all times. Mm. Um, and, yeah, just beeps would go off all the time. It was... It was not nice. Um, so after the a few days in the children's ward, I was like, look, she's not getting any better. I really want to go to Starship. Um, yeah. Like I really need someone to tell me what is going on that is like from a cardiac ward. Um, so I think with enough push, we got um, – sent up to Starship. So that was the 27th of January. And we spent nine days up there. 
Um, Ruby mainly was just on oxygen and she just couldn't be off an oxygen tube. Um, she was just like struggling to keep her saturation levels up off the oxygen. She just really needed help with breathing. Um, but then we had this doctor probably like eight days in or seven days in. She was like, let's just take it off and see what happens and see like how long. And she was fine after that. As soon as that doctor came along, I don't know what happened, but she didn't need it anymore. So we went, they were like, no, nah, she's, she's too small. Let's just wait until she puts on some more weight before we can do her, her heart surgery. Mm. Um, so we got sent home again. And then we were home for a month and then her scaboo nurse came back around again and she was like, no, nah, I'm not happy with her saturation levels. Let's call an ambulance. We're going back to ED. Oh, my goodness. So we went back to ED. <laughs> um, <sighs> I, and I went to – I demanded to be taken to um, – sorry, demands a really rude word. Um, I asked to be taken to Wellington Hospital because – I had had such a good experience at NICU. I just really wanted to be back there. And I just felt so supported and I felt like Ruby was under the best watch there. I just wanted to be back there. Um, mm. And it's like, it's weird to want to be back in like such a hard out ward. But I knew at least, like they knew me, they knew Ruby. It was just a familiar place. But anyway, yeah. I asked to go back to Wellington uh, we went to ED and we were only on the children's ward for one night before being sent up back up to um, Starship the next day. Um, <laughs> we got to Starship at like six o'clock at night, I think. Um, and a doctor came and talked to us maybe an hour later and um, they were like, we're going to operate on Ruby's heart tomorrow morning. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> like holy shit but also we were stoked we we really wanted this we didn't want someone to be like cool we're going to operate on her in three months time and then us feel anxious for three months yeah um we were really happy that it was getting sorted um so was yeah, this an operation to kind of treat her heart condition like was the the outcome hopefully that this was going to cure, like, I don't know if cure is the right word. Sorry if I'm, I'm not saying that right. No, but okay. I hope. Um, yeah. So it was to correct the um, defects that were in her heart. And, mm. um, and that the hope was that that would be her, like the, that was the biggest surgery that she would ever have to go through. And if there was going to be more surgeries that would need to happen, that they would be minor compared to this, one big one that they, that they were trying to solve four things and right um and how old so was Ruby at this point she was three months old okay so all of that happened that was three months of chat <laughs> <laughs> and, which I, I probably I missed out like five oh. trillion different things I can imagine like that just with that that three months as well would just be a been a blur of hospital visits being in hospital hospitals you know like not the first yeah. time that you would have envisioned when you got pregnant. Yeah, it's like it's funny. Like when we first went home with Ruby after, like I don't know, um, 
I don't know, maybe three weeks of being in hospitals. That was the first time that I was like, Tarupa, so did you see everything? What was what did birth look like? That was like the first time we actually talked about me being in labor. Because it was so just so much stuff happening. Like and because of COVID, like we weren't allowed to be together with Ruby. So we would have to go in shifts and we never got to be with her as a family in the coup. Um yeah, wow. it was only it was like Christmas Day when they let us have a little photo together and that was like really stealthily like not going to get anyone in trouble but um that wasn't supposed to happen like yeah wow it's just like a mind-blowing experience it really is and so then you know you're finding out you're having this ruby's having this huge operation on her heart how did that go and yeah i mean did it work like how how was it how what was the outcome for ruby um probably like so the outcome was great the surgery went great um she went into surgery at probably like seven or eight o'clock in the morning i think it was seven o'clock in the morning and we just kind of they were like we're gonna call you later on we're going to let you know how the surgery is going and then we'll call you again and let you know when the surgery is finished okay and, and we were like let's go home and have a sleep we were so strung out um mm. so we went back to we were staying in ronald mcdonald house um on the hospital on the starship hospital campus and um went back and had a sleep there and then we were like didn't know what to do with ourselves uh like had to keep busy so we went into Auckland City and we were like, we're going to go out for lunch. We haven't had a proper feed in a while. Mm. And we were like, we're hopefully going to be celebrating <laughs> um, yeah. when her surgery's done. So, yeah, we got a call and they were like, the surgery's going well. You know, we'll keep you updated and we'll call you when she's out. And I think it was probably about 1.30 or 2 p.m. when they finally were all finished and she was in recovery. Um, and I definitely had a glass of champagne when that call came through and, um, and probably just breathed like for the first yeah. time, you know, like I can imagine there'd just be a, a huge relief lump in your throat and not in your stomach, like going through that. Yeah. I think the scariest moment was when, um, our surgeon was like, we have to tell you about the like possibilities or like the worst outcome like we have to warn you that you know going on bypass and yeah all that kind of stuff um there is a risk to it and we have to tell you about that and we were just like what like mm. yeah i just i think a lot any of words. people aren't you with your baby like i can't that just that would feel so scary you know like i feel yeah. like when those decisions about ourselves it's I don't know it's you making a decision about you and yes that's scary but when you're yeah when you're making that decision about your baby I can imagine that would be really hard to get your head around yeah like through my pregnancy all all I hoped Mm. was I I just wish that I could have that wrong with me instead of Ruby yeah for sure because at least you know how you are going to deal with it and you Mm. like you know 
you're already born. <laughs> you're already born. So you know what your coping mechanism would be, you know? Yes. But when it's the unknown, you don't know and you don't have any answers and it's really scary. Um, but, yeah, we got through it. And I think the only – the two other things that I was um, going to, like, quickly talk about was, um, like, all the other tests and mm. um, things that we had to do while she was in me and – yeah just the so we had to do an amniotic uh, fluid test which was probably the worst test we I had the whole time I was pregnant and it was just like a really big needle going into the amniotic sac um, with a ultrasound um, just to test for any other things that are wrong with Ruby because um, with heart conditions there can be other things uh, that come with that and yeah it's just like you're literally in a whole different world i i just feel like we were like sorry i don't even have the words i don't i don't know how to explain it but um i was just like on these facebook groups for other cardiac parents but all of them were in america and i didn't that's when we kind of got introduced to heart kids in New Zealand and thankfully I started talking to some mums over here because it's so different over here mm. um but yeah the, and then just going just finding out about Ruby's heart and stuff sent me into a massive spiral of depression and had to go back on meds for that and um had to look at counseling and all of those extra things along with like midwife appointments obstetrician appointments and mm. scans and stuff that's just that was just a whole nother layer that I wanted to touch on but yeah I was actually that was something on my mind it was like how has this experience affected you and your relationship and you know how you guys sound like you're an amazing team and you've got through what is an incredibly difficult kind of can't even comprehend time but how has this affected you and your honestly we, we still like we still have moments where we are like we're still like in recovery mode mm. like just from like you just you just have to put your relationship on pause almost like mm. to deal with what's happening with your child um we were so sleep deprived and so like just lost um mm. like we're so lucky that um those hardships like brought us closer together and Rupert just supported me so much man I just I I honestly don't know if I would have survived without him yeah. um yeah and we were really lucky that we had such a good support system but I can't imagine going through all of that alone um like man there are definitely people out there who go through harder stuff and they don't have a partner to support them through it and my heart really goes out to them um but counseling was a huge thing for me I really needed to to like um work on like coping mechanisms for myself um 
and yeah I had to be back on antidepressants like it was just I just couldn't man manage without them um I'm still on them today and like I, I was previously on and off them since I was 16 so mm -hmm. it wasn't anything new to me and I knew what drugs already worked for me so mm. I guess I was really lucky in that sense but um yeah I and mean, there was no nothing easy about it um Rupert was like my rock and I feel like he only unpacked everything that he had to go through way later on than I did um yeah yeah <laughs> but we're alive we're we're coping we're still together we're doing we're doing okay you guys are doing amazing I think like yeah yeah you're doing amazing I think that's you know being parents is hard becoming parents is hard and having everything that's been thrown at you guys I think that's just a true testament to your relationship and to you as individuals like that's incredible. What does what does life look like for Ruby and your family now after going through this? And you know what? How is her health today? You know, seventeen months. What I would love you to share, like, yeah, what that's like now, and what what what's the day to day like for Ruby? You know, does is it something she has to you have to monitor and she lives with, or is she, you know. Yeah, cured. She's. I, um, I don't know. If that's the right <laughs> no, that's okay. She's on um, six monthly checkups now. So we have a um, a doctor here in in Lower Hutt that. Um, so she's got like a GP, mm. then a pediatric doctor, and then also the Starship team. So she has lots of people looking after her. Um, so she has, I think it's six monthly visits with the pediatric doctor in Lower Hutt, and then also six monthly. Um, echoes and um, ECGs of her heart um, through the Wellington um, hospital that gets all sent to the Starship team. And then the Starship team also comes down and visits once every six months um, to see all of the cardiac babies all, like in the whole of the lower North Island region, um, oh. uh, which is amazing. Um, and we're so, so lucky that we have that in this country. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, normal everyday life is, like, pretty pretty much like a normal normal heart baby. Um, mm -hmm. Like, she's great now. She's a maniac. She's, like, so <laughs> wild. Um, she's doing so great. Like, there are definitely things that we have to be aware of, like, if she ever gets, like, out of breath or anything. But it, mm -hmm. it's not, like with cardiac things it it's not like a fast um like nothing's going to happen quickly like heart failure is not a quick thing to happen it, it happens over a slow amount of time so mm -hmm. um that was probably the most reassuring thing i i learned as well um like you just keep on looking for signs and things will never happen quickly like she's not going to go into cardiac arrest or anything um so yeah she's she's amazing she's like obviously a little bit biased but she's the coolest kid ever um <laughs> and you're she, definitely allowed to think that that is yeah yeah I am like we're all just like so like shocked at how amazing she is and has been through all of this like 
she just took all of her meds like a champ she would go to any nurse she'd go to any doctor mm. like and now that she's older it is a little bit harder like she's a bit more fidgety and stuff she's she's got a lot of energy mm. um but she's still like she's literally my hero like i just cannot believe how much she's been through and she's not even two like yeah it blows my mind that she's okay and she's happy and she's the happiest kid like she never cries um like you know that if she's crying there's something really wrong yeah um yeah she's amazing yeah it's so cool to hear i guess like to have gone through so much through your pregnancy through after Ruby's birth, you know, like that going through surgery before she, you know, she's three months old and to now here she's just, you know, she's thriving. It's Yeah. And I think that's probably like what I looked for when I was going, when I was still pregnant with her. I was Mm. like looking for other kids who had been through this, who came out on the other side and had a normal life, you know, like Mm. that was, that's the most comforting thing to hear is, you know, she's at, she's at daycare. She's a daycare kid. She can deal with all the daycare bugs. She's had COVID. She's fine. Like, oh, it's wow. so reassuring um, to know that she can live a normal life. Like, she's still going to have cardiac cardiac checkups every six months. Um, and the thing that we're, like, watching for and hoping for at the moment is that her evolve continues to grow with her growing, like, to mm-hmm. match the same size. So, yeah, I mean... I'm probably being not um, – I'm probably being realistic and thinking she's going to have another surgery in the next year or two. Um, but it would probably be like a catheter procedure, so not open heart. Um, and it would just be to help that valve. Um, but I guess like I, we – well, I can't speak for Rupert, but I definitely live in denial every day, just being like, nah, I just won't think about that, you know? Mm. And like a lot of heart, I talk to heart mums. There's a lot of heart mums with, you know, kids with these cardiac issues and we can, we all, it's a great community. Like it's so supportive and we all kind of just chat and check in with each other and, be there for each other when our kids are going through their checkups and stuff like that and everyone's like yeah I do that too I live in denial too and then Mm. you know you kind of because at least that way (laughs) you're like enjoying living in the moment I like yeah I also think that sometimes when you you know when you do that it's like your brain actually just just can't comprehend that right now there's enough going on in your day to day and there's also no point worrying about something you potentially can't control so it's like you know 100 percent, yeah like I can't control any of it so exactly you've talked about this community you've kind of created of you know heart mums I'd love you to maybe share if you've got any advice or something that you want to share with parents going through something similar what that would be um I I definitely cannot take credit with creating this community (laughs) um Heart Kids is a amazing um, like charity, and they support you so well. Um, so pretty much as soon as like we got Ruby's TOF diagnosis, um, we get all these like information sheets and stuff, and 
um, there's someone that contacts you from the Heart Kids Foundation and um, our person here is Rebecca and she's so lovely. Um, they drop off like food on your doorstep and so you don't mm -hmm. have to think about cooking while you're just trying to process that your child has a heart condition and mm. they give you like food and petrol vouchers and um, like they have these groups that meet up. I didn't really go to any of that. I just felt like I didn't have the time to do any of that while we were in hospital so much and then like we were only home for like 30 days before all of this happened. So I didn't really go to all the group meetings and things like that, but there is that. and. Um, and then, like, she's just always there for you to text if you're ever feeling, like, lost or alone or whatever. And they put you in, in connection with, like, um, mental health people. And um, she also connects you with other heart parents that have been through the same or, or that have been through, yeah, similar situations or that their kid has the same um, condition as yours and you can meet up with them or just chat to them online, whatever. Um, so that was super, super helpful for me. Um, and there's just like a Facebook page that we all ask questions on. And yeah, it's just, it makes it a bit more like normal. Um, yeah. Because I can imagine as well, it's probably hard to connect with other mums or parents who are just going through like, normal issues with their children when you literally deal with such you know it's like when you talk about in your pregnancy I can't you know what's the point of going to an antenatal class when I'm literally going to be there's so much more I'm going to have to require be required to know and I guess it probably goes the same when you are going through those sort of day-to-day -day experiences when you have got a sick child like it would be harder to connect with parents that don't have to worry about that because you're like wow you're so lucky like your kid is healthy you know so it's yeah. nice that there is a community for parents going through so much more um because have you found that like it's hard to maybe relate or yeah for sure when they're complaining about like oh my kid woke up at this time and you're like my kid had open hearts you know like yeah yeah um yeah a hundred percent it was really really hard um but I was so fortunate to have made some friends in like through that heart page and um Instagram was like a huge help for me um there was because I would just like type in like toff or anything and I would try and like look at other mums pages who have had like a heart baby and just see how their normal day-to-day -day life was um mm. and I've made like such great friends on there who are sadly mostly in Auckland um but we're literally there for each other like there's people you've never even met and they're just like literally text me at any time of the day or night you know it's just it's so comforting um because it is you do feel like you're alone because like how many how many people do you know with a cardiac condition that you know like i i didn't know anyone with a cardiac condition i'd never heard of 
CHDs or anything like this before. Like I obviously knew that because my mum's a nurse, so I knew that um, I knew that there was like stuff like this in the world. But yeah, I just I had no idea about like babies and what could go wrong and all that kind of stuff. So, um, sorry, was your question? <laughs> what would my advice be? <laughs> yeah. you've kind of answered um, it in a way but yeah, yeah. What, any other like I guess you know wisdom you'd want to pass down to someone dealing with and it doesn't obviously have to be a heart condition but with an unwell child yeah um I'd probably say don't join American groups because um, I mean unless you're there because it's such a different world over there and they don't they they don't have as amazing support as we do over here um mm. there it was better for me personally to chat to um new zealand and australian mums uh facebook groups and um yeah definitely asking like your obstetrician or midwife for like if you have a heart baby obviously there's heart kids nz but i'm sure there's lots of other groups and um, foundations that can help you and support you in whatever medical journey you're going through with your child. Um, I would just honestly just go on Facebook and find the groups. It's the same with like NICU and SCABU and all those kinds of things. There's so many um, parent support groups on there and you can, you can ask anything and they're not going to judge you and they're not medical professionals they can just be there for emotional support. Um, just never, ever, like, go through this alone. Like, And if you don't feel ready to do that, that's fine as well. Like, yeah, I would – the counselling helped me so much. Um, and I know there's heart mums who I talk to now who still haven't dealt with their feelings and um, – thoughts around their kids having been through heart surgery which which happened like a year or or three ago Mm. um but yeah I guess just not thinking that you're alone you're not alone everyone's had something similar happen um not everyone but you know there's always going to be someone that we can find to relate to you I think that's such nice advice as well because you know this is obviously you know such a rare and unique situation that you have been in with Ruby but you know there's there's always like parenting in general can just feel lonely and it's important to remind yourself that you're not alone and there you know we're all kind of we're definitely not going through what you've been through with Ruby every day but you know there's there's so many different situations out there and you see such a gloss of things but um I think it's you've just got to find your people don't you in this in this yeah. and, and find your community and you, your village I should say and kind of yeah kind of really Whether just like reflux them. or no sleep or you know there's 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 everything like everything is overwhelming and it's it's not like one thing is not more overwhelming than another it's it's all hard when you're a, when you're a new parent um yeah I'm sure there's someone else feeling shit about something that you're feeling sure you can just chat to them and that is I mean I always talk about like oh Instagram you know it's this highlight reel we shouldn't compare but it's also in your situation like Instagram and Facebook have 
been your community, you know, sure. and I think that's, that's something really special. And I, I do love that side of it as well. And like being able to find people when you are in such a rare situation and connect with them. I think that's, that's so nice. I could, I know we've really only really skimmed the surface of everything yeah. you've been through with Ruby, but I'm just so grateful for you sharing your experience because it is just something that, you know, we don't hear about. Um, it is something that you've been through and such a difficult experience, but it's so, I guess, nice to hear of where you're at at the moment with Ruby and that you've been through this and you've overcome it and come out the other side and that your story will resonate with other people. So Thank you so much for sharing. And if people do want to chat to you, like if you're going through something similar and they want to have a conversation with you, are you happy for people to reach out? What's the best way to get in touch with you? Yeah, definitely. Like if anyone's struggling, and like even if you're just having a pregnancy and you feel alone, like please message me. Um, I started like a little spreadsheet that um, that would help like new mums because I was like, when I first got pregnant, I was like, oh my God, what do I do now? What, what do I buy? What do I need? So mm-hmm. I just did, did a spreadsheet that helps uh, mums like look at maybe some things that they need or or would want to buy for having a first baby. But um, yeah, just reach out on Instagram. That's probably like the best place to for me to chat to anyone. Um, that's and I'll take yeah, yeah. your account <laughs> in the show notes so people can find you. Um, but thank you so much for coming onto the podcast today. I just like I said, I am actually just so grateful that you wanted to share your story with me. And I think such a special story it is. And um, yeah, I will definitely tag your account in the show notes and people can reach out if they want to connect. And the spreadsheet sounds amazing. I think that's something every <laughs> mama needs or, you know, soon to be mama. So I think that's just such a great idea. So thank you so much, Sarah. That's okay. Thanks for having me.